Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Too Many Hobbies. I am your host, Brian Althorpe. We have an awesome episode today. We're going to be discussing the opening early season in Ohio, up here in Northwest Ohio. Uh, my hunts on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday for the early season weekend. So let's get into it. guys well welcome back and thanks for tuning in i appreciate the listen we're going to get into the early season here and hopefully everybody who hunted this past weekend for the early season had a successful and safe weekend of hunting i know that a lot of people hunt during the week as well and hopefully you guys were able to take advantage of that we have been talking about the early season and previous episodes and it's finally here and it's been awesome to finally get back into some birds so let's talk about my weekend what we did what helped us what adjustments we had to make things like that so let's get started so on saturday was our opener and as i had mentioned previously in other podcasts We've been scouting a couple spots, and we had a really good teal hole that we were hunting. And luckily for us, we were able to secure that spot on Friday. And like a lot of other people in our area, we ended up sleeping in the marsh, which could have been a lot worse. (laughs) It's been a lot worse in previous years. But we were able to sleep out there. We had a tent. We had a lot of gear, uh, camping gear, and it wasn't very, it was super windy, so the the mosquitoes weren't very bad, which in previous years, it's been the main complaint of anybody that stays out there is how bad the mosquitoes are, and normally how warm it is, but for us, it was like 62 degrees at night, and with a good breeze coming off the lake it was able to keep a lot of the bugs off of us which made it a lot more enjoyable to stay out there so what we ended up doing was we got a spot we got our spot secured at around 4 30 on friday and there was already a lot of people out there and we were lucky to get the spot that we did but for us we scouted that spot for so long we knew that there was birds there, but it was such a far walk from the parking lots that everybody had to park in that nobody wanted to go back that far, which worked in our favor, and so we were able to secure the spot. My wife's birthday was on Friday, and <laughs> that was really interesting, trying to explain to her that I wasn't going to be staying at home during her birthday. I was going to be sleeping in the marsh for duck season, so... Luckily, she was cool with it, and we were able to, you know, make the best of it. Went out to dinner and stuff like that beforehand, and then when she was about to go to bed, I just slipped out with another buddy, and we headed out to the marsh. We ended up taking my boat and filling it with a lot of the gear so we didn't have to carry it all the way in, and that was a lifesaver, honestly, because if we would have had to carry all the gear that we ended up taking out there, it would have been miserable. 
We had a tent. We had three guys worth of gear. We had two dozen decoys, teal decoys. We had wood duck decoys, goose floaters, goose silhouettes, guns, bags, waders. I mean, it was... It was quite the haul to get everything back in there, but for me that's kind of the fun of it is getting all your stuff in there and kind of setting up and just the anticipation of all of it really helps get you psyched up for not sleeping very much that night and having a good shoot in the morning. So we got out there, we ended up making some hamburger helper and just hanging out kind of messing around, getting some gear ready, packed up, tucked away, so we didn't have to mess with it in the morning. But we ended up getting up around 5 o'clock, I believe, so we could get the tent tore down, uh, get a little bit to eat, start setting up decoys. And by the time that we got up, there was already teal in that hole. And, I mean, I've explained before that there's just teal dumping in this hole and we couldn't have really asked for a better situation and you know while we were setting up there was teal landing in the spread so that was pretty encouraging getting up and seeing that so we ended up setting up about 40 minutes before shooting time just so that we weren't disturbing the hole and we could keep birds flowing in and out of there so that right when shooting time hit that we were able to start shooting and that did work we I, I made a video of it so if anybody's interested in seeing that it's a teal opener on my fit on my youtube channel brian Elthorpe media and you can see the shots that i got of all the birds that were just flying around us in particular and just in the area that we were in we were in a really small hole tucked at the back of this marsh and it only had a couple inches of standing water and it had about a foot and a half of muck but what happened was there was a bunch of duckweed in there and that must be what these birds have been feeding on the whole time that we've been scouting this area it's also pretty well enclosed on all sides except one by a federal refuge which when there's no pressure, it doesn't really matter, but that federal refuge, the vegetation in it is just, it's untouched because nobody can go in it. So when you start thinking about it in that aspect, you've got a lot of untouched land back there, and you've got all these open holes where people have been trudging through them all, see, all the previous season, and even people that are you know training dogs and stuff in there during the summer. They're all points to consider you know, and what helped us being that close to it was that when everybody started shooting at shooting light, the birds were trying to find refuge, and they found that in the federal refuge. <laughs> so there was a lot of birds that were circling the refuge while everybody else was shooting, and these birds weren't really being touched, so they were, you know, making their way just outside of that and that's where we were sitting so we ended up having a pretty good low pressure area and I think right off the bat we ended up shooting like eight birds in the first half hour or something like that and so 
that that put us pretty pretty far ahead and you know once the sun came up there wasn't clouds right away so we were getting blinded pretty hard because we had a west wind we were trying to trying to hunt this hole with our back to the wind and it was it wasn't terrible but there's definitely some shots that were compromised because of the sun blinding you so badly and I mean that's just hunting but <laughs> it was just brutal it was hard to hard to find these birds coming right over the dike wall because that's where the sun was and these birds were coming low over the dike wall dumping in and with a shadow being cast from the dike wall you couldn't even see these birds on on the water so that made it a little difficult but I think about an hour into the hunt after we already had like 11 birds or something a bunch of cloud cover came in and that made it a little bit easier to find not only find birds that were flying, but also to hide ourselves because we didn't have to deal with the blinding sun and just shining on our faces and stuff like that. So it helped a little bit, but regardless, we were still shooting birds pretty consistently anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But it definitely helped kind of make the hunt a little more enjoyable since we weren't uh, fighting the sun the whole time, so... That was nice, and, you know, I mean, we, we were battling a lot of groups in there. There was probably every bit of 60 cars in the parking lots. So, I mean, you're talking about probably somewhere around 35 to 45 groups, and it's hard to compete in a small amount of area with that many groups. I mean, these birds figure it out pretty quickly when they start getting shot at that you know, they're going to be weary. So, I mean, immediately after shooting time, these birds stopped doing what we had been watching for days, weeks, and they were not traveling in the large groups that we had originally been seeing. So most of our groups that came in were, you know, we had some singles, we had some pairs, we had some three-packs come in, and really that was about all we were getting after everybody started started blasting them away. So we ended up hitting our limit in two hours, and, you know, that's not bad. We were, we were shooting blue wings, we were shooting green wings, and they were all juvie birds. We, we weren't getting fully plumed out birds. These were definitely still molting their their feathers and stuff like that so you know no no wall mounters but you know these teal I needed some teal for dog training so I kept half my birds in the freezer I cut the other three up to make poppers with and that was a great decision that's always a great decision and uh yeah so I'll be able to use some birds some teal for training which is nice and um we got a hell of a shoot out of it it was really cool um seeing all of that work pay off and I mean I've mentioned in other the other podcast when I was talking about prepping for the early season how important this stuff is and this is just this just goes to show you that that hard work will pay off if you put in the work you know it was it was definitely uh, satisfying 
to be able to say, well, we did all this work and look how quickly we were able to limit out and, you know, just, just makes your day a lot better. I mean, makes your weekend better and it should be a good weekend anyway because we're shooting birds. So we ended up wrapping that hunt up and I ended up not wanting to get up super early the following day. And I've been doing a lot of work in my backyard because my backyard pond pretty much touches the marsh that I was hunting in on Saturday. And so I've been clearing out a lot of large trees to be able to open up area for birds to find my pond. And that's been working out really well. Ever since I cut down a bunch of trees, we've had birds in there all the time. And so we ended up just trying to shoot a couple teal in the backyard, which we ended up shooting one. We shot at another group. But it's a long pond, so it was kind of a poke. But it was still nice to be able to see teal and a bunch of wood ducks working into that pond. So that was nice. We just set up panel blinds and just kind of hung out there for a little bit. hoping to sh- We were hoping to shoot some geese. I threw out some real geese silhouettes. Uh, some Bigfoot floaters, some of these Magnum floaters that I have, and, you know, sitting in that, those tangle-free panel blinds is just, that's where it's at, I think, and, you know, you can, they're so versatile. We use them in the backyard, and they were fine for what we were using them for. We didn't even brush them in, you know, if there was birds that were coming in, I didn't really, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time brushing them in. And, you know, we were hoping that with the, with the geese flying over that we were just going to pasture them anyway. So wasn't wasn't a, a very intricate mission, but it was still cool to sit back there and see a lot of that work that I've done recently pay off. And hopefully for the regular season, I can get a lot of a lot more of the trees cleared out and some brush and things like that and make it a little more enticing for wood ducks for the early season because every opening day of a regular duck season, I like to smash some wood ducks. So hopefully we can kind of build a little sanctuary back there for them and have a nice opening day shoot and not really have not have to sleep in the marsh because that, you know, eventually that's going to get old. It's... That's a young man's game, and I'm still fairly young, but it doesn't mean I want to sleep in the marsh when my house is like 100 yards away. So so that was Sunday. Monday, we ended up having a huge thunderstorm roll in. When I got up at 4, it was absolutely downpouring. I didn't even think that we were going to hunt, but we were hunting a cut, like, overgrown grass field next to a uh, cornfield by it's actually the field that's next to my buddy Damien's dad's house not too far from here and it butts up against a cornfield and then his 10 acre marsh is on the other side so with that being pretty dry there wasn't a it wasn't a magnet for a lot of birds but We were right in the flight path of a lot of resident birds that were using fields and other marshes in the area to go to from a big roost that was near the lake. So what we ended up doing was we ended up setting up the panel blinds and the corn. And this was a 
this was something that I found pretty interesting about what his dad had to say about it was him and a buddy that he had been hunting with for years were talking about, you know, using an A-frame style blind or, you know, these panel blinds and just how it kind of defies everything that you learn about field hunting. You know, it's normally your, your idea of field hunting is that you want to be as low to the ground as possible with as much cover as possible because these birds are coming in, you don't want to, you don't want to have anything casting shadows or anything like that. And he just, he said, him and his buddy could not understand how people are shooting birds when they've just got this big blind sticking out in the middle of a field. And you know, he'd seen pictures of it working, and was tired of laying in the layout blinds the whole weekend. So. Uh, we decided to throw up the panel blinds and we just threw straw on them, got them in front of a bunch of, uh, like dying or dried out corn stalks. There's a patch of them and ended up blending in pretty well, but it was just way more comfortable to sit four people behind the two blinds than lay down in the layouts just in the field. So I found that pretty interesting, that that was the mindset that those guys had, and can't really blame them, because that's kind of been the standard for a long time, but, you know, we used these blinds and set out, I think I set out five dozen real geese silhouettes, we had a couple dozen Bigfoot full bodies, and some shells in the field, so I think we were running around nine or ten dozen decoys, and... We were trafficking some good birds. That front or that storm definitely pushed in a ton of birds to that area, which was really helpful because they had been hunting the previous two days, and I think they said that they shot nine in two days. But there was other groups that were hunting all weekend as well, and those birds were starting to get pressured. But they said that the birds that we saw on Monday were nowhere near the amount of birds that they had the previous two days. They also said that the flight time, while it was similar, there was birds flying for longer. Like they had birds work between like 7.50 and 8.15 both days. And we were getting birds that were flying at 7.30 and they didn't stop flying until about 9.30, 9.45. And I think we ended up having seven groups come in we had two, bir- two groups that kind of lifted off at the last second. And those were our, our be- like the first two groups that we worked all, all, so- or all morning. And so what I ended up doing was we had originally put a kill hole directly in front of the panel blinds, kind of towards the edge of the corn. So what I did is I moved in some of the decoys that were sitting a little further out and kind of made a U the opposite way so we had the the landing area a little further out so that they weren't focused on where the blind was or focused that close to the edge of the field and I'm not sure if that was what was actually happening but when I made that adjustment we were working we were finishing birds a lot better and then we ended up shooting 10 
10 birds and losing two. We lost one in the corn, then we lost one that we had shot, and then when we went out to pick it up, it just took off, and we missed it. So, you know, it kind of sucks seeing birds fly off or not finding a bird that you know you shot, but that's just the way it goes, and it was just fun to be able to be out in the field again shooting birds and talking about, you know, that whole panel blind situation. That was, that worked out super well. And even his dad, his dad's going to have me order him some now, so. Dog, come on. And they're just such a nice tool to have. But I also wanted to talk about, you know, I've, I've talked about before, in uh in other podcasts about strategizing and you know kind of watching patterns of birds and pat or, and uh seeing where these birds are what time they're flying how they're moving things like that and i think that you know with these resident geese you've got you've got kind of a pattern in the field that these birds are sitting in so you've got these family groups that are feeding and I think that by replicating that in our spread on Monday, that was what seemed to help us. You know, I tried to keep a couple groups and, like, have a couple pairs by themselves. And, you know, starting with that and then making adjustments as you see fit, like when the birds wouldn't finish right away, well, you have to look at your spread and say, what what doesn't make sense here or what can I adjust that might possibly help. So, you know, you make that first adjustment, maybe brush the blind in a little bit more, something just to see if it helps. And, you know, more than likely you're going to have to rearrange your decoys to try and get those birds to land exactly where you want them to. But that's kind of part of the, the game. You know, if you sit around and you just wait and hope that, they change you're not gonna be very successful but if you start actively trying to make adjustments to to make yourself put yourself in a better situation for the next groups then you know you're not it doesn't it's not hard to do you know you're not going to lose anything by doing it but at least you're going to start seeing a pattern you know that you might recognize later on down the road. You can say, like, well, these birds, you know, based on this Monday hunt, these birds were lifting. Well, maybe I got to adjust the decoys. Maybe I've got to spread them out. Maybe I've got to open up a bigger hole so that these big groups of birds want to finish in here and not land on top of each other. So hopefully that's, a, that's some good advice for you guys. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about my three days of hunting, the successes that I had, the things that I did, you know, to either have success or to, to work it in a way to be more successful. And hopefully you guys found that useful, entertaining, informative, all those things. So if anybody's interested in seeing my teal hunt, it's up on my YouTube channel right now. It's a teal opener on Brian Althorpe Media. The goose hunt will also be up as well, and those are both great videos. 
they were fun to do, they're fun to make, I enjoy making those videos, so hopefully you guys enjoy those videos, there's going to be plenty more coming this season, I've actually got a private hunt, private pond goose hunt lined up on Saturday, that's a, a property that I'm able to hunt, that's a family property, so that'll be that'll be good hopefully, there's a lot of birds in the area so hopefully that they cooperate but yeah so check that stuff out make sure that you're following us on uh on instagram uh subscribe on itunes or spotify google Podcasts, wherever you're listening and if you guys would be able to give if you'd be so kind to give us a review that way you know, it, kind of, it reaches more people that way, and that way I can get some feedback from you guys on what you do and don't like about the podcast. So, we're trying over here. I've got a new recording setup that I'm using right now, and we're going to keep going. So That's why there wasn't an episode last week. I was waiting for some gear to come in, and really wanted to talk about the early season and wanted to wait until all of that was done before I made an episode, so here it is. I appreciate everybody tuning into this episode, so until next time, guys, we'll see you.